This morning's scripture reading is taken from 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 4 to 12. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 4 to 12. As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in scriptures it says, See, I laid a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now to you who believe, this stone is precious, but to those who do not believe, the stones the builders rejected has become the cornerstone, and a stone that causes people to stumble, and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who calls you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day He visits us. This is the Word of God. Now let our heart be good soil to receive this morning sermon to be preached by Reverend Lanita with the title, Living Stones for God's House. Thank you, Ming Hong. Whenever we think about the Apostle Peter, what's the first thing that comes to mind? He denied Christ three times. But if you remember his life story, he was very impulsive. In the Gospels, you read about him, you know that he's always very impulsive, making quick decisions. He's hot-tempered. And also in the early days of the church, uh, he was a leader. So if you read the book of Acts, he was uh, a leader in the first part of Acts. But later on, in the second part of Acts, Paul seems to be uh, constantly in the uh, limelight. But in the beginning of Acts, you will read also about Peter going to jail. In fact, he went to jail twice. That was recorded. One time he fell asleep in jail until the angel came, opened doors, and he walked out. And so if we look at the life of Peter, we know that he has been through a lot. And he, uh, 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 he, 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 he suffered for his faith. But we also know that he was a fisherman and then uh, he was described as unschooled, uneducated. And so Bible scholars, when they look at 1 Peter and 2 Peter, they do wonder whether it was actually Peter himself who wrote the letter. But in uh, 1 Peter chapter 5, uh, verse 12, 
we will see this. He says here, with the help of Silas, whom I regard as a faithful brother, I have written to you briefly. So sometimes scholars would say that maybe it was Peter's words, Peter's ideas, Peter's uh, thoughts, but it was Silas who put it to writing because Bible scholars say that the letter is very well written. But as we look at this letter, whether it was physically written by, Paul, uh, by Peter or by Silas, we know his intention. At the beginning of 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 1, Peter describes himself as an apostle of Jesus Christ to God's elect exiles scattered throughout the provinces of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. Now, we can see that there are five places now, the letter was probably written from Rome around the year 62 to 64 when Emperor Nero was the emperor. And this was just before the great fire, the great persecution. And so his purpose in writing this letter to the exiles, the Christians in these five provinces, was to remind them of their faith. So in 1 Peter chapter 1, I, I pray that you'll go home and reread these two, uh, uh, these two uh, letters, 1 Peter, uh, 1, uh, 1 Peter and 2 Peter. Then you'll be able to find that right at the beginning, we see what is Peter's point of writing the letter. He says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ in His great mercy. He has given us new birth into a living hope. The hope that we have, the salvation that we have, is a living hope. And so that is his purpose of writing this letter to the exiled Christians at that time. And it's appropriate for us, isn't it? Although we are not persecuted per se, uh, unlike other uh, Christians in other countries, but we're going through some very challenging times. And we need to remember our faith, remember our salvation. And as uh, somebody put it, we must remember who Jesus is to us and who we are to him. And so that's why this morning I've chosen this passage because we're in the theme of empowering churches, empowering church members. The church is made up of people. And so as we turn to God, let us turn to him in prayer. Let us pray. Father, as we come before your word this morning, we're just so thankful to you that we have this freedom to set aside our Sunday and to come together, whether physically here in the sanctuary or even gathered at home, to just spend this time in worship of you, God. Remembering who you are to us, remembering what you have done, and especially in this season of land, Lord Jesus Christ, we remember what you have done for all of us. And so as we turn to your word, written by your apostle Peter, we want to ask that you help us as we hear, as we think, as we reflect, and as we respond to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And so in this passage in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 4 to 12, verse 4 he says, As we come to him, the living stone rejected by humans, 
but chosen by God. Just those words, you immediately see the difference, rejected and yet chosen. You see the paradox, you see the opposites, you see the difference. And so what is rejected by human, but chosen by God, and not only chosen, but precious? So right from the beginning, you can see that there is a difference. And isn't that God's way? What is rejected is precious to God. Isn't that us? Isn't that our faith, our values, our, our doctrines, the way we do things, our teachings, are different from the world's way? And so that reminds us, isn't it? The Bible tells us time and time again His ways are not our ways. His ways are higher. His thoughts are higher. And then it goes on to say, you are also like living stones that are being built into a spiritual house. And so right at the beginning when Peter uh, reminds us who the living stone is, the living stone is Jesus Christ because he is risen from the dead. He is living. Now, because Peter was addressing Jewish Christians, who were dispersed uh, all over the Roman Empire. So the minute when Peter talks about the living stone rejected by people, what do you think the listeners of those days would think about? And so that's why Peter then quoted, went on to quote the Old Testament, verse 6, verse 7, verse 8, are all verses from the Old Testament, which was the Hebrew scripture of those days. So the Jewish Christians would remember these words from their scriptures. So verse 6, in scriptures it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone. Words that Peter used in his letter. It's taken from Isaiah 28, verse 16. And then verse 7, Now to you who believe, this stone is precious. To those who don't, it is a stumbling block. And isn't that our faith, which religion preaches about your God being sacrificed, being crucified on the cross? Seemingly powerlessness, and yet there is power. And so Peter then, then when he talks about this, the listeners, the hearers, the readers would immediately think about the Old Testament in Psalm 118, where the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. And in verse 8, again, he takes it from Isaiah, the stone that causes people to stumble. Why do they stumble? Because they do not obey the message. They disobey the message. Friends, the idea of cornerstone may be something quite new to us because, you know, um, we don't emphasize cornerstones nowadays. But in the ancient architecture. The cornerstone, as you can see, the one that is a bit more faded, is actually at the corner of a building and sometimes they will put relics of saints in that cornerstone. And then, so the cornerstone then is defined as the stone that is placed at the corner that holds the two walls together, holding the building together. And so cornerstone is important because it decides whether your wall would stand, 
whether or where your building is and what direction the building is, where the corner is, holds the whole building together. And so it talks about our faith, isn't it? What is your cornerstone or where is your cornerstone of your faith? Is it on Jesus Christ or is it on something else? If your cornerstone is not at the right place or is crooked, then your walls will not hold together and where your building is, it makes a difference. And so that's why Peter goes on to talk about the cornerstone and then not only about the cornerstone, he then says, you also, you are living stones. That because we are part of the body of Christ with that cornerstone in the right place at the right position, we then as living stones can then be built up into a spiritual home. And so this morning, as we look at this living stones as part of the spiritual home, I want to share with you two, three things that we need to always remember that as a building, as a temple of God, we need each other. What's one piece of brick? What is it good for? Those of us who love orchids will say that you break up the brick and then you, know, you plant your orchid. One piece of brick is useful. What else is it good for? Maybe as a doorstop. What else? As a base of a plant. That's what I do. What else? One piece of brick or one stone. Not, not much. It is still useful, but not much. And so when Peter reminded the exiled Christians that you are living stones built together as a temple of God, a reminder that we are never, never lone ranger Christians. We can be one stone, we can be one piece of brick, but if you're all alone, your significance and your usefulness and your purpose is very limited. Stones need to be put together to build a wall, to build a fence, whether it is for defending or whether it's for protecting or whether it's to hold up. You must be in a group, a pile, Somebody says that Christians, we are, before the Lord picked us, we're just a rubble of a pile of stones. But when the Lord picked us, chose us, like Jesus Christ, we become precious in his sight. We become useful. And so together then, we can form part of the temple of God. The Apostles' Creed that we recited just now is, I believe, in one holy Catholic church. The problem with us sometimes when we read those words, we stumble over the word Catholic because we think of Roman Catholic. It is not. The word Catholic simply means universal. And so even as we think about the church here in FMC, in Kuching, or even in Sarawak, Malaysia, we are part of the worldwide church. 
The Nicene Creed puts it better, defines it as, I believe in one holy, Catholic and apostolic church. And so, I'm just so thankful that this morning when Pastor Finson prayed, he prayed for the Ukraine Christians. They are our brothers and sisters. When one part suffers, we all suffer. The worldwide church is something that we need to be reminded of. There are brothers and sisters around the world who does not have this freedom that we have, who does not have the, the, the safety and the peace that we have to be able to come together for worship and even online. There are many places in the world that do not have this. And so we are thankful and we remember our fellow brothers and sisters. But here, especially this morning, I want to talk about FMC as a church, as a temple of God. We need one another. Now, the pandemic has created this social distancing, all right? And so when you see each other, you, you stay far away. And then with the mask on, you cannot even recognize people. And many of our physical activities that we used to have has been put on hold. And you begin, and now after two years, this is really after two years, we don't feel a sense of belonging. We feel a distance. And so for some of us, now it is just so convenient to go online. We can worship anywhere. Because it is now borderless. But yet, my dear brothers and sisters, being a stone has its limited usage. We need to be part of a building, part of a wall, part of usefulness. And so the first thing that we want to remember that we are a temple of God, we need one another. And here in FMC, we have all kinds of groups. We have all the uh, youth group, the MJYF, the Chinese MYF, the Boys Brigade, the Girls Brigade, the Sunday School, the small group. And all these remind us that we are together. And this morning, I just want to highlight that not only do we need to have this sense of belonging, but it is important that we play our part. We've been announcing about baptism and confirmation and say, yeah, we know, Pastor, we know. You know, we have accepted Christ and we have been trained and so we're baptized. Now, there is very often a misunderstanding of what confirmation is. Now, in Chinese, it's worse. Chinese use the word ruhui, it means membership. And so, actually, what confirmation is, is that when some of us, Right? We were baptized when we were younger. And when we grow older, it doesn't say what age. When we grow older in our understanding, confirmation is a process where I confirm what my parents have done on my behalf and I declare, I am a Christian. I believe in Jesus Christ. I want to follow Jesus. It's a personal faith. Sadly, this has not been very well emphasized in the past. And so then, sometimes youth, adults, we wait until, don't know, when we are much older, 
or some of us are never confirmed. And so in the last year or so, we have been emphasizing confirmation, that you confirm your faith that you still want to be a Christian. Now we have un under the uh, annual conference, we have a system, a computer system that's very easy to check your data. And so if you need help, you can call the church office, call Mei Lang to check about your confirmation. And then, of course, the other thing which we talk about is your church membership. You have been worshipping here in FMC, some of you, for years. Is this your spiritual home? If it is not, can I ask why? This is a temple of God. As living stones, we want to be together, depending on one another, helping each other go. And my second point is that as the temple of God, because we are the temple of God, we recognize that it is not complete yet. All of us, including the temple of God, the, the house of God, are works in progress. We are still being moulded individually, collectively, corporately to be a house of God, to glorify Him. And so here, as we look at what Peter says, he says, as you come to Him, it's an active present tense that every single day, every single moment, we learn to come to Him, to work together to grow in Him, and we are precious in His sight. When I counsel couples in premarital or when there are issues, I would use this picture of a triangle, right? And I said that there is always a third person in your marriages, and that one, that's God. And so in a triangle picture, if you see the men and the women, the husband and the wife, as they grow closer to God, you would see that they grow actually closer to each other. And it's the same for the church. If we see the church as a pyramid and our focus is the apex of the pyramid, instead of focusing on one another, but if we grow closer to God, then we grow closer to each other. And so when we ask for people to serve in the church, very sadly, sometimes we see lots of division, we see lots of disagreement and disunity. And we get quite discouraged. We see that all over, in wherever there are people. But then if we learn to focus on Christ, then as the pyramid shows us, we can then grow closer to one another. We are dependent on each other. We are works in progress. And we not only grow in our knowledge, but we also grow in our living out every day of our faith. We've been asking for people to come and serve as worship enablers. Uh, this morning, I thought Litung was all alone. Where, where is his team? He needs team members. We need musicians, we need especially, we have this new ministry of multimedia. And of course, the PA and the PC controller. 
And behind the scenes, we need Sunday school teachers. We need boys and girls brigade officers. We need advisors to our young people. We need people who would prepare Holy Communion. And together, as we built up this temple of God, we become stones, living stones, as part of the wall of this building as a house of God. And so, friends, as we think about living stones, we are all works in progress, growing, learning, and then growing closer to each other. We're not perfect. There will be disagreement, there will be disunity, there will be divisions, but if our focus is on the apex, then we can build a stronger building for God. And then not only are we called to be living stones, Peter reminds us that we are all called to be priests. And so he says, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood. As I said, his audience, his readers, his listeners were Jewish Christians. So the minute they hear the word priest, what do you think they would be thinking about? They'd be thinking about the descendants of Aaron, those who offered sacrifices in the tabernacle, those who stood between the people and God. And the listeners would understand that. And for us today, maybe we don't quite understand what it means to be a priest. And so here, Peter then reminded them, and for us today, that all of us, we are called to be God's people, we are called to be priests. Now, the priesthood of all believers is something that came out of Reformation. Right In the past, in the Roman Catholic Church, uh, only certain selected, anointed, uh, a chosen uh, priests. The rest are not. And so in order to come before God, you need to go through the priests, as in the Old Testament, the Old Covenant. But with the Reformation, when this doctrine of priesthood of all believers, all of us today, are priests, we stand before a dying world, before, we stand on behalf of a dying world, before a holy God, bringing sacrifices. And so here, uh, Peter reminds us that we bring spiritual sacrifices. There's a lot that if we want to talk about spiritual sacrifices, I'm just going to emphasize three things here this morning. First of all, he says here that you may declare the praises of Him. When we declare praises for God, it is not just singing on Sunday or singing at home when we listen to uh, praise and uh, worship songs and we start singing. It is to declare His glory every single day of our lives. Whatever we may do, whether it is through words, whether it is through action, whether it is in our thoughts, we declare His glory. 
in all circumstances, we give thanks to Him. As I've mentioned earlier, that we are grateful that we can gather like this. Sometimes in now, with this Omicron surge, when we hear of this one is tested positive, that one is tested positive, I'm still thankful because we have the test kits. I'm still thankful that our homes are big enough for some of us to be quarantined in individual rooms. I'm still thankful that even in quarantine, there is food, there is medical care if it is needed. Some of our members, our contacts are going through cancer treatment. And even in that, I'm also thankful that there is medical care, there is treatment available. In all situations, there are many, many things that remind us we can declare His glory. And so, my dear brothers and sisters in Christ, as priest, as royal priest, let's learn to declare praises to Him. The second thing that uh, Peter write about here is that he is the one who called us out of darkness into his wonderful light. Something that I've been reflecting and thinking and praying about, that I remember that the one who has called us out of darkness into his light, John wrote in John chapter 1, verse 5, that the light shines in the dark and darkness has not overcome it. We live in a dark world, don't we? There are secret meetings, there are backdoors, negotiations, under-the-table deals. A lot of things have been done in our country. That is supposed to be in the dark, well-hidden secrets. But we've also known that some of these have God's light shine on it or shine on them and has been brought to the surface. But what about our own lives? Some of you may have heard what has happened with the pastor of a Hillsong Church. It's very sad that when things that are done in the dark that doesn't glorify God and comes on the surface, then the church is hurt. And so Jesus himself reminds us in Luke chapter 8, verse 17, nothing hidden will not be disclosed. And so as royal priesthood, if there's anything that is hidden, that we think can be hidden, let us get rid of that. And let us learn to live holy, pleasing lives to God. Years ago, I have a niece who loves to hit her older sisters. When the parents are not looking, when adults are not there, she would just hit them, pinch them. And when I got to know about it one day, I told her, I said, well, I'm going to check your hands every day and to see whether you have hit your sister or not. And you know what she did? I said, I'm going to check your hands now. Immediately, she did that. 
What does that mean? When we need to hide something and we know that it doesn't glorify God. And so friends, we are in this together. We are living stones of the temple of God, of the house of God. And so let us remember to offer up our thoughts, our actions, our words, even our text messages, how we use our gadgets to the Lord. And finally, Peter reminds us, once you were not a people, but now you are a people. You belong to someone. You belong to someone who loves you. You belong to someone who cares for you, who is interested in your life. And that makes a difference, isn't it? And then what? Once you have not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. And so that's something that you and I need to always remember. That we have been the we've been at the receiving end of God's grace, God's love, God's mercy. And so we ask that God would use us as channels. And I think there has been many, many opportunities in the last two years with this pandemic for us to show grace and mercy to people that we know or even to strangers. And my prayer is that we would live like what Peter says, we would live such godly lives among the pagans that though they may accuse us of doing wrong, they will see our good deeds and glorify God. And my prayer is that each one of us in the face of this pandemic, in the face of challenges, in the face of this dark world, we will always remember that we are living stones, part of the house of God. And let's live lives that glorify Him. Let us pray. Father, we stand in awe and in humility because of your love for us. Only you can love us. Only you think that we are precious in your sight. And so I'm thankful to you, God, for all my brothers and sisters here and online, that as we hear your message to us this morning, that you will remind us that you have chosen us to be part of your house. And I pray that you will give us the courage, the wisdom, and the power for the living of these days. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.